I'm Nadia Cheney. I am so excited to welcome you to the Adaptogen podcast, where we learn the journeys, the obstacles, the obsessions, and the professional tips from facilitators all over the world. I feel like a lot of us try to follow like a formula and learn and get training. And that's awesome. It helps a lot when you go deeper in and you practice and you push yourself and you're following your passion and what you think people need or what you hear they need or whatever. But the real kind of key is, are you, how can you be even more of yourself? Are you being yourself and how can you do more of that? Hello, Nadia. Seat Cindy Satsade. Seat Clean a Clean Haya. Seat Williams Lake Saida As. Sababozi. Sid Fredrickson Ainlian. Sainquil Bozi Elsie Fredrickson Ann. Sainci. Louis Bates Ainlian. Sugarcane. Say and Sue, Josephine, Greg, and Leanne, clean and clean. My name is Cindy and I'm Chilcotin and Sequetum and Norwegian. And I'm in the Sequetum territory right now where some of my ancestors are from. And I'm right next door to the Tlaxcotin territory, T-S-I-L-H-Q-O-T apostrophe I-N, please Google it. Yeah, I'm a dreamer, I'm a singer, I work with cultural knowledge and I'm an artist and I love exploring and learning sharing that with people. Cindy, how did you get into this work in the first place? Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. And so I feel like it was a natural progression, like from even childhood, that a lot of people would say to me, like, oh, you're going to be a teacher. And I knew I wasn't. Hmm. I didn't want to do marking and homework and stuff like that as a teacher but I knew I wanted to work with groups and lead and things like that and I saw my parents doing that I had a really a strange childhood I guess maybe everybody did <laughs> but my dad for a time he was a preacher with maybe like a faith a word faith kind of approach and so yeah he could be very charismatic and a storyteller and he was also a musician and he would get me to sing all the time and my mom's indigenous and she she would also teach and preach but she had a gift of prophecy and so I saw some really wild like group things happening not, I shouldn't say like really wild because people weren't like 
falling down or holding snakes or anything like that. But yeah, it was just like, there was a lot of people connecting with each other and talking about what they were learning. And it was, we were always visiting and always around musicians. And then my mom had a best friend who always wanted to put on plays. And so I would be some weird character. Like I, one time I was a book, but I had the most scenes or the most parts or whatever. So I really had to figure out how to be a book. And I had all, yeah. So I had all these kind of like very active things happening. And back then we would go to like church camps or Bible camps or youth camp or whatever. And so it was just always happening, percolating around me. And I grew up in a really rural area in what's called Northern British Columbia. And so when we moved to town, (laughs) it's like the closest town or small city. I didn't realize, but I became a statistic where Mm. I fell in there with the wrong crowd. But to me, they were just some fun kids that were willing to hang out. And I started like drinking and doing drugs like right away. This is my first exposure. And, but I would like facilitate activities while we were like, while you were partying. (laughs) (laughs) So we would like, (laughs) we would do all sorts of things. Like we would, sometimes we would fight each other, but it was for fun. So we would have a bit of rules and parameters around that. And one thing that we loved to do was like put the record player on high speed and listen to Led Zeppelin or whatever and act out like what was happening. And my mom had made these really cool puppets. And so I would have the puppets doing stuff and I'm a dreamer. So then I would also like there were quiet, chill times and I would wait until I felt like my friends were in a listening mode. And then I would tell these dreams. Right. And yeah, we would run around all over town and get into all sorts of trouble, but it was just like a very, I felt like it was at that time, I felt like it was my calling. To be with that group or to be with groups in general to facilitate so (laughs) you already knew it yeah I didn't know what facilitation was of course I still don't really get what it is but I felt like wow this is really cool I love getting like the group together and getting them riled up and then transitioning and all that stuff and I used to like debrief with myself afterwards because maybe everybody would be crashed out and then uh, but I would debrief about what I liked about what happened and I would plan ahead if I was gonna if I had like a new prank or like a comedy skit that I was gonna demonstrate to my friends and then they were gonna do the thing yeah so you're like 16 or something like this at this point yeah I was younger (laughs) really wow it's like 12 13 wow yeah what an amazing young person. I just love it. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. And then of course I went through like hard times and I really didn't get into 
creative facilitation, there was things that I was doing in different jobs that I had where people would be like, oh, we want you to do the thing because I would pull people in, right? So I had a weird job one time where I was working for like a treaty. I don't know if people know what treaty is, but it's some Mm. government type of process where Native people could talk with the non-Indigenous government people, and then they could negotiate and plan of how they're going to come to an agreement about the use of land and all sorts of things, right? And so I was pushed into the job and then I would like really try to connect with people and say, why is it that you want to do this? Or, and can you share? And everybody felt like so happy about being able to have a voice. And this was all instinct, really. This is your... I mean, it's because I hadn't had any training by then or anything. It was just me. A lot of times I would honestly just pray and be like, what the hell am I going to do? And then I would know to like give space for someone or to invite in their skills or. Yeah, so I had a different, unique. I have a really very like eclectic resume. (laughs) It's definitely a curriculum vitae or however you pronounce that. It's very technical. I've had a lot of very unique experiences that people have brought me in for, but really what they want me to do is do the same things that I did with my teenage friends is trick them into doing something they never did before or to get over a conflict that they have without Mm even calling it a conflict kind of thing. Yeah. And then I think this is a long story, but I think in 2011, so my whole life I have been dreaming and I've had really, it was very hard for me. It sometimes still is quite hard uh, to kind of like work all night and then try to endure your day. And I really felt like my emotions were very impacted by my dreams like a lot of people that happens to them they might dream that they argued with someone and they wake up and they're pissed off that person totally yeah so I felt like my emotions were really pushed around and overwhelming from my dreams and it wasn't until 2011 so I was I was doing all sorts of things with my dreams based on cultural teachings, things my mom taught me, things I learned from my own experience, or I had a teacher in school one time say, we can fly in in our dream if we say it seven nights in a row. And so then I would just do it, right? I would do the seven nights and fly. But it wasn't really until 2011 that I found out that people all over the world have all kinds of different techniques that they use to work with dreams and so that I started exploring that and getting into that and then I started pursuing being able to like lead workshops and lead ceremony and lead like groups facilitate and got some training in creative facilitation and then it just started picking up a bit where I would 
have opportunity to learn from someone like yourself. And and then you already have this offering is already there. Yeah. And your way is already so developed. You already have a style in it. Yeah. I think it was much later. I think maybe in 2017, 2018, 2018, maybe. I remember saying to a mutual friend of ours, Hazel Belkowski, I said to her like, oh my gosh, oh, it just came to me all of a sudden. Oh, I'm a one-man band. <laughs> yeah. Like I do the things, everybody's holy shit, what are you doing? And I'm doing all these different things. I can't necessarily tell people what I'm doing. No one says to someone who's playing five instruments at once, you shouldn't really play the drums. <laughs> no one said they enjoy the one man band. They enjoy this experience of this musician who's playing five different instruments and singing and whatever. But all the time people were saying to me, like, only do one thing. Stop what you're doing. Don't sing. Focus on something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was really like excited when I found out that oh, I'm doing, you know, what my dad did. It's the same thing, very different, but he was a musician and he could just amaze people with his manual dexterity. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm like doing all, I know how to do stuff and I just do it. Yeah. Yeah. That helped me a lot to realize that. Yeah. So you... Wow, this is a very, it's a very interesting story already. First of all, I just want to tell you so many of these interviews, people are like, yeah, I started doing this thing and I'd never heard of facilitation. I think that's really the through line in all these interviews. Okay, yeah. It's really interesting. And you have cool. this calling or this way that people, it's almost like the world tells you're good at this. We need you to do this. We want this. But then at the same time, your story is really interesting because there's also a kind of resistance in the story. There's people are also at the same time, they're telling you we want this, but they're also trying to shape you or change. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think when I went through a training with, and I'm not going to remember the name, but like Pi Global or whatever it was at the time. Peggy, maybe? Peggy Taylor? Yeah, maybe. I don't think it was her who, but I Hmm. remember trying to think of what is my story? What is it that I'm doing and what? When did that start? And a big thing for me was that throughout people would tell me like, no, don't, do not sing, for example. No, you don't sing. You're doing it wrong. And then I had to get to a place in my life where I was just like, I really don't give a shit if you think I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it. And what helped me a lot was like my culture. Mm. I was raised Chilcotin and we have a very unique language and part of our culture is singing and we sing very differently from other people. And nobody could tell if I was doing it wrong or not because they didn't know what the hell I was doing. And so I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm totally going to screw it up and everybody's going to love it. And they won't tell me to stop. Of course. They did. 
some Chilcotin people would tell me like, stop, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. But yeah, like even in the last year, I found out, no, I wasn't doing it wrong. Oh, wow. That, uh, every little weird thing my voice does has a purpose. And that in our teachings, like there are certain songs where you're allowed to just play with it and it doesn't hurt anybody. Some songs you have to be very particular, but within our culture, there's somewhere. Yeah, what I'm doing is the same thing that my ancestors did. So yeah, that gave me like a lot of strength to know, even if I'm screwing up, I don't care. I need to do it. Hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of strength in that. I'm so curious, like when you say you're a dreamer, it seems like that's a path of somebody who has to do things their own way. When you're, when you're dreaming, it's not like a consensus thing where you do it like everybody else. Like, and that's just what I'm, my imagination telling me that. Okay. Yeah. Well, the type of dreamer that I am, I prefer to have a relationship with my dreams and to interact and to really like trust and follow sometimes take a bit of a lead if I think my dreams are misleading me because they can but so I have that same type of flowing practice with my dreams and some people who are dreamers will say nope dream is this and this and that's how we do it and they have a little bow and oh so, so even in that realm you yeah, have so same- like for sure some people have wow. practice that they just follow the order and the structure but Yeah, I do feel like dreaming is a path where like traditionally and culturally, I'm required to listen and respond to that guidance rather than a person Mm -hmm. in my environment or whatever. Hopefully I can still... And when you would say that you would pray sometimes when you were young for what should I do next? Is that also like related to this kind of the same kind of inner knowing? Are they two totally separate things? The prayer and the dream? I don't know. I I, I think that's a weird question. It's very interact. Like it's very, it's like these are the drums. These are the the symbols. And you're the one man band. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I wouldn't give up like prayer at this point in my life because it's really worked and I can't stop dreaming and yeah so does that answer that question yeah absolutely that answers the question so then you're now you're developing a method in your Mm -hmm. facilitation to help other people to access their dreams or you're using your dreaming to help them with something else that they might be working on in their life I think when I first started working with dreams and like working with helping other people. That was the goal was like, help other people remember their dream. I have this big idea that was just like, oh, I can help everybody. And then I think we all do that. Oh, I'm really good at this one thing. Everybody should be good at this one thing. (laughs) It's the thing. It's the thing that'll change the world. And (laughs) it is, it is, but it's not necessary for everybody to do the same thing as me or Hmm. to do it in a certain way or to a certain level of 
practice or experience or whatever. So I started out with that intention. And then the really cool thing was that I realized all you have to do as a facilitator is say the word dream and people will start to bring it in themselves. And so I was like, this is awesome. I barely (laughs) have to do anything and they will pick it up or they won't, some won't though. Yeah. So I, I just started having fun with it. I did develop like a couple, I mean, I've adapted, I guess, a couple games. One of my favorites was like, you have like enough chairs for everybody and you take away one chair and someone's going to be in the middle each time because they don't have a chair. And the person in the middle is saying, have you ever dreamed or have you ever imagined? Because a lot of people will insist that they don't dream. And then they'll tell you two amazing dreams, two, two of them. (laughs) It's so annoying, (laughs) but okay. So this game like would be just off the hook. And some of the dreams people have had, I remember one time a woman going in the middle. So you're in the middle and you say, have you ever dreamed? And you tell it a tiny bit of a dream that you had. Have you ever dreamed that you were driving from the passenger seat? I don't know. Nice. And whoever has dreamt that they all have to switch chairs, right? Yeah. And they can't go back in their own chair or the chair right beside them. They have to switch it up. So it can get a little bit physically dangerous. <laughs> sure. Yeah. People start getting excited. So yeah, like some of the dreams people have had, like what this one lady said, have you ever dreamed that you were sleeping in between two horses? And this other woman in the room just got up and ran. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I've never dreamt that, but what a dream to have. What a connection to have. What a thing to pull out of a group. The (laughs) things that people think are so private and probably only has ever happened. Like, I can just imagine being in the center of that circle being like, nobody's going to have the same dreams. (laughs) Yeah. And there was another time where one lady said, have you ever imagined that every golf course was a turnip farm? And then she was shocked because nobody got up and moved. (laughs) But you know what? what? That was like probably six or seven years ago. Every time I see a golf course, I imagine that it's a turnip farm. Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, that's super or whatever. Like, I am like, wow, that's facilitation. Like, that's inception facilitation yes. right there. Yeah, that right? is inception <laughs> facilitation. And that is so much to say about what you're this thing. Do you dream or do you imagine? And this kind of surreal image making that's happening, waking or sleeping. Yeah. Or that happens for you. But I think that I recognize that too. That's happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just started having fun with it. Yeah. It sounds a like lot it. of people had fun with it. And like that game I, is like, that game is a game that's such a common game, right? The, the, where the West Coast goes, but when you put something so deep in the middle like that. Yeah. 
really powerful. Yeah. And I had another game. I think I would change it up now because it's been a few years. So there was another game that we called hashtag a dream. Hmm. And so then I forget what all the details were, but we were like roaming around and talking and telling our stories. And the idea was that when we remembered a dream we've had, we would go up to this board and we'd write a hashtag and give it a name. And so this was hashtag turnip farm. Like, yeah, hashtag <laughs> turnip farm. So this was all with young people and they had a pretty like difficult life or whatever. But as soon as they started seeing, oh, we were supposed to put a mark to if we actually have ever dreamed what someone else wrote a hashtag for. And so, yeah, the, this huge whiteboard got filled up like super fast and there were all kinds of marks, like things I hadn't dreamt of. Have you ever dreamed that you were drowning in a kiddie pool or something? I was like, what? I've never dreamed that, but apparently it was a theme for some of them, but yeah. So it just gave a way for them to like share without having to voice it and without being like, oh, I don't dream. So I can't play this one or. And so to I pull up each other's memories to pull the memories out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to include a lot of movement and story they're telling story even if they don't think they can and yeah what's the vision what why what happens if everyone can remember their dreams oh my god (laughs) okay a really cool thing would be that we would all be so much healthier we would all be that like the mental health crisis that we're having right now wouldn't same at all there's so much that we physically need from dreaming like physically spiritually emotionally we need to be able to heal trauma we need to be able to learn our biggest ideas come from dreams they don't come from like when we're just doing the same thing day after day maybe yes but Amazing inventors relied on their dreams to be able to do the things that they did, that they do. And can you go a little deeper into this? What the, what is it that's happening? That's so healing. Is it the voice that's speaking to me about myself? Is it deeper than that? There's so much happening. So on a very basic level. Okay. So think as facilitators, when we're in a workshop and through the wave and whatever that's happening every night Mm. we're going through some processing dreams we're going through some wish dreams we're going through some wild fantastical creativity like our yeah our brains so like to get really technical our brain is like fully activated during dreams except for the very front part oh wow and except for the very very base part so the very base of the brain it there's different things during different waves so i'm not telling everything right now but the very base of the brain 
where we have all our breathing, balance, regulation, whatever, and like instinctual fear, trauma responses is deactivated a little bit. Mm. And so I'm curious if we have such vivid nightmares because it lets it through. It lets it be like as scary or whatever, which people will say is like a rehearsal. It's a rehearsal for life, for what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But going back to the very front of the brain, if that, if during a dream, we make a decision, we become lucid, we follow through what we planned to do. Like for me, I plan to sing that kind of thing in our dream. Then the very front of our brain also becomes activated. So like our whole brain is engaged. And this idea that- During waking life, that's not the case. No. And (laughs) so we have like unlimited capacity in our dreams. Sometimes we just don't remember that or we don't, or we think like it's too scary or it's silly or whatever. So yeah, if the whole world was dreaming and remembering dreams, that would be, that's decolonization. Because that's what people used to do. There was not as many barriers to being able, it was a normal, natural thing. In our language, we have a word that is, you're going to sleep, but it actually means you're going to dream. And so everybody did. Well, that was a really amazing insight. (laughs) Just even to imagine, like you said, people are dreaming anyway. They are. From all different walks and cultures. But somehow it's hidden or we don't talk about it or it's pushed on the side. It doesn't matter even though it's happening. Kind of like how we even relate to forest or weather or something like that like it doesn't it's not the center of our lives yeah and some of it I think is also like a bit taboo like Mm. more risky because we still there are people who would dream that someone might pass and then they do as an example that's very scary and to tell people that and then people might think something about you And yeah, some dreams are very personal. It's like, maybe you shouldn't be telling them. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to why people don't really talk about it. I was like, I had a session yesterday and we talked about how sometimes you can't even say what happened in a dream. It's like its own language. And so then it's like how English is insufficient for explaining something oh so many times I've tried to write a dream down and it's like how do I describe that feeling yeah yeah (laughs) so sometimes that's the have you developed a lot of or do you even try to capture or write down or do you just have your own is it another world another language I've gone through phases of writing everything all the time, which is the best because then you read it later and you're like, oh my God, my life is amazing. And I've 
done voice recording dreams. I've, it was hard to get used to, but then once you get used to it, it's really good. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that, but for people who want to remember their dream and want to cultivate that, the fastest way is to jot something down. Don't write a book, just jot something down because you won't remember it later. No, you think you will because it's so incredible. But it slips back somehow. Yeah. So you have to repeat it. It's like a song. Like you could sing a song once. That's amazing. But you won't really remember the lyrics unless you sing it again and again. Yeah. So you go back to the writings and stay with those dreams. I think I move on every day. Okay. <laughs> dreams. <laughs> but I go back and I look at them and I, realized whoa they were telling me ahead of time about certain things and so it helped me learn to trust my dreams and Mm. to have a relationship with them that they weren't trying to harm me yeah you used to when you were younger you used to think everybody should just if only everyone could remember their dreams but now you're in a slightly different place or you're asking different questions I think What are you focusing your investigation or your work? What are you honing right now? Okay, so I had a really big learning within the last about three years, which was that there was this idea that everybody dreams. And my idea was like, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody worked with their dreams? And oh, so incredible. But I found out that actually, we all don't, we sometimes can't, and we sometimes can't sleep. I think there's like a huge sleep epidemic right now. And yeah, I'm not sure that I should say this, but what I, one thing that I learned was like, if people are eating gummies and stuff to go to sleep, and I mean, like, Mm. uh, marijuana products they're actually not having the same sleep cycle and dream cycle. Like they're not, they can't, it's completely interrupted. And so learning that I'm like, oh my God, like how, like I've had this whole premise that, and from my culture, we have a phrase that means everybody dreams. And right now we're not. And so I needed to pull back and be like, instead of pushing this idea that we all have an amazing, rich fantasy life, (laughs) or we can or whatever, that to realize there's this other thing happening where, yeah, like people can't access that. It's like the game. How I said, have you ever dreamed? Have you ever imagined? Some people can't access that. And so even altering the game to say, have you ever wished or something along the lines of, have you ever wanted to is a little bit more accessible. Yeah. But it's the same type of. Yeah. It invites in some engagement. And if, if there's a dreamer there, then maybe it pops in. Right. But yeah, I had to figure out like how to not make it inaccessible that 
if it's only about dreaming and people aren't engaged with that, then how do, how do, like, how do I, yeah, what's happening in my work? And I went through a period of not being able to sleep. So that was a big part of my learning. I went through in and out of that and went through a period of finding out the damage that it does to your body and your Mm -hmm. mind and your emotions, your hormones, like everything. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that's yeah, that's it. Thing. Like, yeah. I, I was, it's almost like I, you, you're more in a re rehabilitation mode than a saving the world kind of a mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I still, I really want to share. I've always wanted to be in that creative space where I was like as a teenager. Yeah, we're just doing it. So I still really want that, but also realizing like something else is happening to me and everybody that is there something maybe that I can do Mm. so it's really cool because I'm learning a lot through my dreams and then I can uh, what is the word clarify or confirm what I've learned by looking it up and finding out like scientifically what that might literally mean that I learned in my dreams and then what am I going to do so it's yeah very like I've always been interested in biology and science and everything yeah and so I'm pulling that in a lot now in and into your own research and into the workshops too yeah and into my life and Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I always practice on myself first. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause you, even in the beginning, you were like, I debrief with myself. <laughs> yeah. You, I am you, very introspective and that's hmm. part of dreaming is like introspection. Hmm. And yeah. It's a different so, style too, isn't it? The facilitation of an introspective person. For me, oh my God, facilitation can sometimes be so hard on me because I get very extroverted and I am very entertaining and I'm really trying to like pick up on everything that is happening for everybody, right? And so I'm very engaged with everybody. And then afterwards I'm like, oh my God, my battery is shot, right? So that's been tough. Mm. I'm not really the facilitator that disappears into the background. (laughs) Sometimes can. Hmm. And I sometimes am facilitating without showing that I'm facilitating a bit through like sleight of hand or something. But I, (laughs) yeah, I feel like the introspective part of it comes out when okay, I've gone from experimenting on myself to now I'm experimenting on this group of people Mm -hmm. here. And I don't know what's going to happen because I didn't write it down and plan it. I'm just going to try it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, which is what you experienced when we were at, what, Whidbey Island? Yeah. So Whidbey or was it? Yeah, Whidbey Island, we did a little, 
I remember the workshop clearly. I just can't for some reason remember where it was. It was so yeah. deep. It went so deep. Deep yeah. and not really supposed to do that as facilitators. Like it's an unusual practice for sure. It's part of why I wanted to do this interview with you is a it's very profound, but not in a way that was like it wasn't like group therapy. Like that goes very deep. But this was still like fun, playful surprising it was a it felt like a game but it was no game but then on the other hand it totally was a game and it was unforgettable and the way you held it was just it was so creative it was so unique to me I've seen a lot of facilitators and I just I, to this day I still don't know what even now we're an hour into this interview I still don't know what you were doing <laughs> I can tell you what I did but then it takes a while right yeah so the hard part for me, this is funny because I think I've realized this before, but I haven't really articulated it to people is I'll have those amazing experiences. And then I'll think, oh my God, everybody's going to want to do this. And then I don't get to do that again for a year, two years, <laughs> years, 10 years. I just don't even get to do that. And so <laughs> I'm like, oh, this was like, bomb. and. I guess I'm going to have a boring day job for a while <laughs> and learn about <laughs> sleep and science. Yeah. So it's really weird. I'll give an example. I'll tell a story. Mm -hmm. I went to, a, I was working at a youth camp once in the interior and of British Columbia, like Canada. And so there was like, I think it was for young adults. And the very first day I got there, I realized there was a young man there. He was about 21 and he was nonverbal by choice. He didn't speak to people. He didn't like to have eye contact or anything. And I think through maybe his sister and just through observation, I realized, oh, he, based on like his age and his, a couple other things of his demeanor I was like, okay, he plays video games for sure. And I knew from science <laughs> that he would probably be an incredible lucid dreamer. And very there's a connection between the video games and the lucid dream? Yeah, because they have this idea, like, if I see this, I do this. If I see that, I take these steps. So I was like, oh, I am going to have a lucid dreaming workshop. And I also knew that pretty much like nobody else in the group was a lucid dreamer. Like I could just tell. And so then I was like, hey, how do I do it? Like in the moment is when I'm making these decisions. Hmm. So the people that show up are just the people that just randomly decide to. And I go around and I'm, I'm really trying, I'm actually trying to build something that works for him without showing that because then he would not like that. And so I, I somehow got people to talk about what a best friend is. Hmm. What is a best friend? Like, how does it feel? How do you see them or what and 
if we were going to go up into the meadow over there and meet our best friend, like what would we do? And so I, there was something more to it. It was like a best friend, a location and something else. And then we all went and laid in the grass in the sunshine and I had a little rattle and I told them, I said, okay, we're all going to go up to the meadow, meet our best friend. And then when I make this certain sound, we're all going to come back here. And, oh my God, it was so off the hook. <laughs> like it was crazy. I think only one person didn't have an experience. Everybody had a really wild experience. Like one indigenous woman went up to the meadow and she met like her best friend who had passed away when they were kids. And her horse who had passed away. And they like rode the horses or something before they came back. And there was like all like 20 people there or something. So I did replicate this and do this at other times with other people and same like amazing results. Amazing. Going to meet someone in a clearing. They don't and fall asleep though. No, they literally, they go. Oh, you go. I, that's the thing that I, I was dreaming, but I was awake. Yeah. And it wasn't like visualization. It's another thing. No, it's some, it's because you don't, it's like a dream because something happens where you're like, what the, like, mm -hmm. I did not intend that to happen at all. Yeah. So in this thing, that young man went up there and he met something called a chimera. I had to Google it later, but it was like a sort of like a lion and an eagle, maybe something else. Scorpion's tail? Yeah, something like that. He met that and he rode it back. <laughs> so he said, this is the cool thing. He could not stop talking. Oh, wow. Yeah, he came out of it. He told us all what happened freely and he said like how each time when I hit the rattle the pause of this being were like hitting the ground and then his skin color was like different he looked very super pale before when a couple days before this happened and he just looked like full of energy and then he just was like talking to people after that. <laughs> so wow. it was so like, that was so That's cool. The feeling that you're talking about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so it is a dream. It's also like a vision. Mm. It's <clears throat> there's scientific ways to explain like the state that people were in their brain, their body. And yeah, super cool and very fun and like really affirming for me. Oh, this works as like I was able to somehow do that. And yeah, very fun. Move something 
so powerful. But with the young man completely keeping his agency, his own, it's his. Yeah. You didn't, like, you did that. You made that happen, but he didn't have to give it to you. Like he. That vision, that's his. Yeah, I didn't. And he hears other people's and he knows, oh, this is me. This is who I am. Yeah. Powerful. I think he would like, yeah, thinking about it now, I think he was like super proud that he had the most amazing experience out of everybody. <laughs> yeah. And everybody has experience. He was like, I am so skilled at this. Yeah. It was very cool. How interesting. It's really fascinating to me that it's connected to this, um, that there's the skill in the video gaming, the something mm-hmm. about visioning and decisioning that he mm-hmm. had developed and had some mastery of something there that maybe he didn't know was a strength a spiritual strength that he had maybe he was escaping or something I don't know I don't know I'm just now yeah I think it is it's an escape but also yeah one thing I will say is you know how I said I have since learned in the past few years like there's think a lot of things that interrupt our sleep and dreaming And so, yeah, I've since learned that for folks like that, that they're like really depleting their dopamine. And so like, how can they be like energized and talkative because they've given it all to this thing they're doing, like an activity. Virtual dreaming place. Yeah. And their sleep is disrupted. Often they don't mm-hmm. go outside. Yeah. And I don't need to go into huge details there, but yeah, that's something where I I would still take the chance to do that in the workshop. But I guess now I realize, yeah, there, it's not like I can now get 25 young men into the room and do this amazing thing or whatever. Yeah, it happens. And it seems it happens of its own accord. Somehow you hold the space and then something happens. Incredible. Yeah, I feel like it's. I don't know how to explain it. I there's different beliefs that I have right from our culture and from my own experience. Like, I believe that people are all like a plant or something. They have a medicine. And when we're different plants are next to each other. Some do good and some don't. And so I think because I dream so much, I shouldn't say, I think I know that rubs off on people around me. So when they spend time with me, they can sometimes feel like they're in a dream state. (laughs) Yes. And then the way that I talk too, like I will talk with like incomplete sentences and stuff. And so then people are like, wait a minute, are we like, is this a dream (laughs) are you talking about a dream or yeah wow Wow. that was a very powerful story and incredibly satisfying somehow Mm. Uh, I feel like that big question that I had somehow was answered but not in the way that I thought you would answer it what was she doing that day (laughs) what was that but I did a really similar thing right like we talked. I remember we were sitting on the grass and I talked about a common, like the facilitation. I don't know what you would call it. You would call it something like Jahari's window. Did we? Ah. I don't know what that's called. 
I don't know what, when we're in a training, we sometimes will talk about Jahari's window. And so there's four window panes and one is the known. I know this and you know this. Another one is, I know this, but you don't know this about me. Another part of the window is things that I know know about you. You don't know. (laughs) And then the other one is the unknown. Neither of us know. And so it was interesting to me. I think I picked that topic because there was such a push for facilitators to get feedback from other facilitators because that's like the only way that we can improve if you tell me what I don't know about myself (laughs) and I was just like there's another way (laughs) I was like okay so you want people who don't know themselves to tell me Mm -hmm. about me and then Mm -hmm. that's gonna improve me (laughs) I was like I don't know So when we talked about it, there's this window that's the unknown. It's not a quarter of this window. It's Mm. everything everywhere. And I remember touching the blades of grass and like pointing at the sky and the clouds and everything and saying, this is all the unknown. And I, so without saying, I was basically saying like all of this informs us. Yeah. Yeah. And then you guys were like, Cindy, there's a huge thunderstorm behind you. (laughs) Can we go inside? And I didn't have no idea there was a thunderstorm coming. (laughs) Fast. Yeah. Side now. (laughs) So that was very good that you guys told me something that I did not know. Yeah. And then when we went inside, then we did like travel somewhere and do some. Yeah. I think I had two rocks that I had two rocks and you had a scarf. Yeah. And I put like a circle of rocks on the scarf and there was one circle in the very middle. So it's like a wheel Mm -hmm. and everybody was going to go in, into that circle and I think maybe go put something on the rock mm. in the middle. That's right. Then they were going to come out, go back in, and it was going to be something different. Which is some magic. like. Yeah. And I'll tell on myself here and I'll say, I saw someone else lead it before. Okay. And I had led it once before myself. And so I knew maybe it'll work. I have no idea. But the rhythm of the rocks beating together, Mm. it is similar to the rattle, similar to the drum and what those, like what we would call like ancient technology, (laughs) it opens the four quadrants of the brain. Mm. So as a facilitator, wouldn't you want to open the four quadrants of the Uh, brain? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I would. So that's what we were doing. Mm. And but unexpected things happen because I remember like a lightning bolt hit the ground like right outside the window where you were sitting right when we came back like into our full body like even though we were still in our body but we fully came back and then boom. Yeah. 
yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you told both of these stories, Cindy. I think that one of the reasons I really have wanted to do these podcasts with all of these amazing people is that I don't want to put a negative spin on it to say that this, that it's real. The work that you do is so real and so connected and so lasting. That was years ago, many years ago. And it's still reverberating with me and the change that it instigated in me. And I can just imagine for that young man, like these things are unforgettable. And Mm. and like those young people you were with when you were 12 and 13, like core memories that people carry with them that are I don't know, so many people are doing after-school programming and I really want to empower get their, the knowledge of how important and real and profound that time can be. Because mm. I know that youth workers are not always really honored for what they can do. Oh, yeah. And someone like you with carrying so much of your, like you said, your calling and having so much integrity, like I'm just walking along with it for so long, like... Even when people are telling you no, <laughs> it just is very meaningful. And I think there's a lot of people as they hear it, they can realize what, what, not that they are a dreamer, but what it is that they do, that they, mm. that they can honor, even if they're not getting that from the outside. Yeah, I do feel like, I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but maybe you could let me know. I feel like when people try to shame someone or block them or whatever, like not block them on Facebook, but block them from doing something. Yeah. It's a clue. That is what something that you are really good at. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if it is either. It definitely rings a bell. It definitely rings a bell. And being those kinds of people that someone could actually try the thing they think they're good at. Yeah. Get around the block for a minute. Yeah. And I wonder how many people you've done that for since you were so little. (laughs) Yeah. I do think that is something like I believe that I do help people remember who they are. Yeah. And yeah. Then maybe I never see them again. That seems dreamlike in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you think that you would like to share to people who are, I'm curious about who listens to these podcasts and I see that there are people listening and I, yeah, I wonder if you imagine that, like you're speaking to somebody who's, who wants to hear the stories of facilitators. Okay. Just give me a minute and let me think here. Are you asking me like, is there something that I think facilitators should hear? Yeah, I would say I feel, again, I don't know if it's true. I feel like a lot of us try to follow like a formula and learn and get training. And that's awesome. It helps a lot when you go deeper in and you practice and you push yourself and you're following your passion and what you think people need or what you hear they need or whatever. But the real kind of key is, are you 
how can you be even more of yourself? Are you being yourself and how can you do more of that? And so you don't necessarily need to be the facilitator to do that. You can do it in your life, in a phone call, in your day job, in your like all sorts of places, like you can be more of yourself. And I feel like when I think of facilitation, playing is the most important thing. If you can get people playing, amazing things can happen. So it's not necessarily just about dreaming, but like dreaming is super rich and powerful and can bring so many, so much awareness. But like when you're in that mode of playing, it's very healing. And so how can we do that? Again, I'm just going to give an example. Like I was asked to help facilitate for, it's called the office of the ombuds person. And so there's a very official person who is the ombuds person and who has a task of making sure that things are fair and that people are getting the services that they need, public services in certain sectors, not all. And like one of the things that I did, and it was so fun for me to see was like, I was getting everybody to tap their head and rub their ears because we're all on screen. And it was really fun for me to see this official. Yes, I'm doing this when like smiling and waking up and yeah. So I feel like that's where the rich part is. Mm. It's not in me convincing you to do what worked for me. If I was a person who is an herbalist and I believe herbalism will save the world. And if we all have the proper tincture and maybe that is true, like absolutely, but not all people are meant to be herbalists, right? Not all people are going to be able to devote life to dreaming. (laughs) And if I make that my goal, then I'm missing the mark as a facilitator. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. That, uh, that, that's an amazing interview. That is an incredible interview. I feel like it's done. Do you? Sure. Yeah. yeah is, there anything that really... we... hmm? is there anything that you wanted to get to that we didn't? I did. I had one thing written down which was that you had said, what are my favorite? Do I have any favorite resources? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was thinking, oh yeah, the environment, my ancestors, Google, (laughs) (laughs) my dreams for sure. Like I do like a dream reconnaissance before every workshop. Hmm. I find out how many people are going to be there. What is something unique that will come up? Is there any problem I have to watch out for? (laughs) Yeah. So like my resources, I realized my resources are like, yeah, I have like many tools, but I have that unknown that I am trying to access. A dream reconnaissance. Yeah. 
I love it. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Just between you and us. 